The following message is a presentation of Valley Metro Church, a community of believers dedicated to knowing God and making Him known. Um, well, hello and good morning. Welcome to Valley Metro Church. I'm that guy that says that all the time on that screen. But if you didn't know, I'm also the youth pastor. And um, when Pastor Brian had asked me to come and speak today, um, I thought, oh man, what am I going to talk about? And then I thought, oh, it's so simple. I'm just going to do what I would do at youth group um, world on Sunday school. So I was like, you know, I'm always talking um, to the kids about different things. We definitely put down some real preaching in there. We play a lot of games. We're probably not going to play too many games this morning. Sorry, I just don't have a ton of time. Um, but um, we really do preach. And so uh, recently we've been going through uh, what I call the most important things to know as a Christian. So Pastor Brian said, you know, will you speak this week? And I said, sure. What will I speak on? Oh, I already have something scheduled. So this week you are the youth group. Congratulations. Um, Here's what I need you to do because, yes, congratulate. Look, your knees don't hurt. Your back doesn't hurt anymore. You're young. Yes, you do need deodorant, and for some reason, all of your shoes smell. I don't know. Um, you are now the youth group, but I need your help on stage. I need to feel like I'm at youth group, so here's what I need you to do. Um, if I um, say anything directly to you, I need you to roll your eyes. Um, uh, I need you to try to check your phone and talk to your friends as often as possible, and as long as I'm talking, I need you to talk. If you can do that, I'm going to feel like I'm in youth group. No, no. I'm just kidding with you. Ashton would never do that. Um, so no, you're my youth group this week. And so I'm just going to continue with uh, the youth. This is what we do in youth. feel like you're like at a parent-teacher meeting or something. You are observing a youth class right now. And here's what we do. Uh, we're going over the most important things to know as a Christian. And we always review first right after our highs and lows where we talk about how this week work. So first I'm going to review with you what we've been going through as the top things to know as a Christian. We always do this in youth. Um, <clears throat> number one, everybody put one big finger in the air. Ready? Number, well, there it is. Number one is you need to have good people that you surround yourself with. This is very important. First uh, Corinthians chapter 15, verse 33 says it like this. Bad company corrupts good character. You've probably heard this saying before. Show me your friends, I'll show you your future. All right, you're going to become like the people around you. Conversely, Proverbs 27, 17 says it like this. As iron sharpens iron... So a friend sharpens a friend, all right? And we can keep on going down this path, but that is our number one thing to remember um, in being a Christian, um, is that you need to surround yourself with good people, with Christians. Do not forsake the fellowshipping of yourself together. Uh, That's our number one rule. Number two, everybody hold two fingers. Ready? Number, there it is. Uh, Number two is that you need to feed yourself. Um, Pastor Brian told this story before. There was a man who um, brought dogs to a dog race, and he would always know which dog was going to win. And one day, somebody asked him, how do you always know every week which dog is going to win? And he would say, what? (laughs) He would say, it's the one that I feed throughout the week. It's always the one that wins. If you come to church on a Sunday, and you uh, worship, and you get the Word of God, and you pray... And then you don't do it again until the next Sunday, you're not going to be a very good Christian. You are supposed to fill yourself every day 
with the Word of God. This is very important for your life, right? Um, uh, seven days makes one week, W-E-E-K. Seven days without God makes one, that's you, weak, W-E-A-K, all right? So without God for seven days, you're going to become a weak Christian. This is not where you get church. This is your fellowship time. This is where you hug people. This is where people say, how was your week? And you say, it was really hard. Hey, let me pray for you. This is where uh, we gather together. That's what this is about. Throughout the week is when you feed yourself. So make sure that you feed yourself throughout the week. All right, ready? Number, okay, point number three is um, you need to make the Word of God your authority. It makes no sense to say, I'm going to read the Word of God and I'm going to be a Christian, but I'm not going to do it at that. All right, there's only one captain's seat in your heart. All right, there's only one person who gets to steer. It's either you or it's Jesus. When you ask him into your heart, then you're asking him to steer, okay? And if you're not following what, his, what he says, uh, then you're going to go all over the place. And, and if his word is not your authority, you're not going to end up where he wants you, all right? A good example of this is, um, is tithing. I always want to say this. Can I guys, like, tell you guys a secret? Nobody knows about your tithing because there's so many ways to tithe. You can tithe on Tithely. You can tithe on PayPal. You can tithe in that little box at the back. You can tithe in the uh, basket that goes around. That basket is just a service for the people that don't want to walk up to that box, right? You can tithe. There's so many ways to tithe. Nobody will ever know if you're not tithing. But we should all know, at least, if not, read Malachi 3.10, that when you don't, you are robbing God. That's what he says. God says this. He goes, you're robbing me when you don't tithe. So... We shouldn't have to do tithing testimony. We shouldn't have to be rem- reminded all the time that this is a thing. Because obviously, if God says it and we don't do it, he's not the authority in our heart. He's not in the captain. And that goes not just for that. In L.A., there's a lot of like sexuality type stuff that people are like, I'm just not going to listen to the Bible on that. I'm going to listen to this, but I'm, I want this, 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 this. It's like a buffet, right? They're taking stuff they want and stuff they don't want. That's not the Bible being your authority. It either is your king or he's not your king. Okay? Uh, here we go. Uh, number, number four is um, respect your authority. Um, does anybody know uh, that there's only one of the commandments with a promise that you'll have long life and prosper? And do you guys know which commandment that is? Honor your father and mother. Does anybody know which one that is? It's number five. <laughs> um, all right. So look, number five, honor your father and mother. It's the only one with the promise that you have long life and it will go well with you, right? Okay, so this is an important thing. Um, you're supposed to honor your father and your mother. Can I tell you something? There's a plan for your life. Psalms 139 says it like this. Before one of your days came to be, they were all written in God's book, right? Before you were ever on this earth, every one of your days were written out. He's got a plan for you. In Jeremiah chapter 9, verse 24, he says to Jeremiah like this, Before you were conceived, I knew you. Before you were born, I had a plan for you to be a prophet of the nation. Okay, do you know who had the most plan for his life? It's Jesus. If anybody had a plan, it was Jesus. Go back to the Old Testament, you'll find, what, about 400 prophecies leading up to Jesus. Right? Okay, so Jesus, he's on earth, he's got a plan, all the prophecies, all the things that are planned by God, him. And now he comes up, and he's at the wedding in Cana in the beginning of John, right? 
and uh, his mom says, you should go change the water into wine. And he just says, woman, it's not my time yet. Like, there's a plan, that's not the plan. Did he turn the water into wine? Yes. God himself changed the plans of God himself to honor his mother. How many people here are happy that I'm teaching your kids that? To honor your father and mother. Okay, you might not be happy about the next part. The next part is that you're supposed to honor all the governing authority. All right? Um, it's, it's crazy that, um, how people think that this is one of the ones we can just kind of like skirt out of the Bible. Like, I don't want this one in here anymore. Sorry. And, um, uh, but it's really interesting. You know, um, when uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were in the crowd, and uh, Nebuchadnezzar said, bow down to this giant statue, and they didn't bow down, and um, he called them out, and they said, I will not bow down to your statue. You know what they did next? They all put on t-shirts that said, not my king. I didn't vote for him. They flipped in the bird. No, they didn't do that stuff. They respectfully declined. They said, I will not do this. And they were respectful all the way into the fire where Jesus came and saved them. You know, in John 19.11, you guys have heard about like a Glock 19.11 if you're like a gun person, maybe like a Sig 19.11 or like a Colt 19.11. Well, John 19.11 is very powerful as well. This is when Jesus is talking to Pontius Pilate. Pontius Pilate says to him, hey, don't you know I have authority over you to crucify you? His response to him is, yeah, you have authority because God gave you authority. Now, I don't know if you ever thought about this. Pontius Pilate was not a good man. Now, you're, we're not supposed to judge people based on nothing, but we are supposed to judge their fruit, what they do. That's uh, Matthew chapter 7, verse 16. Read it. We're supposed to judge fruit. We are, in, we are instructed by Jesus to judge fruit. We don't know a lot of the fruit of Pontius Pilate, but here's one thing we do know. We know that he had an innocent man. He knows he had an innocent man. In fact, he went and he washed his hands of it. He said, look, the guy's innocent. I washed my hands of this. He is innocent. Now go kill him. A good person doesn't do that. All right? A good judge doesn't say, well, I know what's right. Go ahead and do what's wrong. So based on that fruit, we know the Pontius Pilate was not a good man. Right? Based on that alone. Maybe he repented. I hope I see him in heaven. Maybe there's other good things in his life, etc., etc. But based on that fruit, he was not a good man. And God gave authority to Pontius Pilate over Jesus. And Jesus respectfully followed Pontius Pilate all the way to crucifixion. So I want you to understand, the Bible says that all governing authority comes from God. All right? Vote. Please vote. Okay? Please, we need you to vote. However, whoever ends up as your uh, authority is your authority placed there by God. You're supposed to respect him the same way Jesus respected Pontius Pilate. Um, you're not supposed to disrespect people as I see a lot of people doing in our current age. All right? So I hope you're excited that I'm teaching your kids to respect their parents, um, and I hope you're excited I'm teaching them to respect the governing authority, that's what the Bible says. All right, here we go. Uh, what are we on for? So uh, number five. But one of those numbers. <laughs> um, I think this is number five, um, unless I said five already. And that is um, GIGO. Anybody know what GIGO stands for? Oh, garbage in, garbage out. That's why I love her. Um, garbage in, garbage out. Um, there's a good chance in here that nobody speaks Egyptian. Maybe somebody speaks Egyptian, right? There's a good chance in here most of you don't uh, speak, I don't know if there is a version of Coptic that you can speak, but like Coptic. 
right? In here, you probably speak Spanish. You probably, probably speak English. There's a lot of things that you speak. Why? Because you have heard those things. You've heard them so you can speak them. The Bible says it like this in Matthew 12, 34. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. All right? What goes in is what comes out. That's why Jesus, when he was talking to the Pharisees, and they're all talking about, you know, washing your hands and stuff, he was saying, look, it's not what goes into your mouth that makes you unclean. It's what comes out of your mouth that makes you unclean. Right? Matthew chapter 6, verse 22, he talks about making sure that you only see good things. All right? So, um, let me ask you a question. If you are following um, uh, Philippians 4, 8, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think on these things. If that's what you're putting out, is that what you're going to get out? Should be easy. What goes in, what comes out? If that's what you put in, is that what you're going to get back? Yes, thank you. Um, if you're putting in curse, or you're listening to curses, are you probably going to be saying curses? Right. It, I'm not going to say things in, in Egyptian if I've never heard them in Egyptian. It doesn't work that way unless God intervenes. What goes in is what comes out. The point is this, is that if you're listening to worship, worship going to come out. If you're listening to cursing, cursing is going to come, in, come out. If you're watching good things, good things are going to come out. If you're watching bad things, bad things are going to come out. So, like, if you're watching Saw, Saw is going to come out. Honestly, if you're watching Family Guy, Family Guy is going to come out. If you're watching Simpsons, Simpsons is going to come out. But if whatever is pure and lovely and admirable and excellent and praiseworthy, et cetera, et cetera, is going in, that is going to come out. Garbage in, garbage out. Good things in, good things out. Does that make sense? Congratulations, Youth Group. You are now caught up on our last uh, five or six weeks of preaching. I will say last week was just a celebration week. We just played games the entire time because we had been learning so much. All right, <clears throat> so now we're moving on to the next most important thing about being a Christian, at least from this youth pastor's point of view, and that is to replicate. All right? So here's the thing. You are supposed to replicate. You're not supposed to just take the Word of God and go hide with it in a hole, right? You're not supposed to do that. You are supposed to replicate. You're supposed to go ye therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey all the commands that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you even to the end of the age. Matthew 28, verses 19 and 20. That's your command. Do you know that Jesus tells people to be fishers of what? Do you know he says that in three of the Gospels? I don't know if I know them all. Uh, there's John chapter 5, verse 10. There's uh, Matthew chapter 4, verse 19. And there's Mark chapter 1, verse 17, I think. Right? In all of those, he tells you to be fishers of men. We just looked it on the screen, Acts 1, 8. You are to go to Jerusalem, to Judea, to Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. You are supposed to go. There should be no question that we are commanded to go out and replicate what we do. But here's the question. There is an answer to this. But let's say you're like, yeah, you know, you're right. God's awesome. I like totally want to go out there and like tell people like how to be like Jesus, right? Right? So now you're like, I'm going to go. You're like, I'm like, you know, Isaiah, send me, Lord. I'm going to go. This is going to be great. And then you get out on the street. How do you do it? He says, go be fishers of men. He says, 
you know, go ye therefore and make disciples. He tells you to go out, right? But what does he say to do? I will say this, is a lot of you probably jump to things that you have done with other groups of people. They're not bad. But they're not exactly the instruction that we're given. Um, we love handing out honey. It's awesome. Has, has anybody here handed out that honey? It is so cool. Um, so we like to do it to our Jerusalem, right? So we do it to our friends. We do it to the people around us. We do it to our building. You will see people literally almost break down in tears sometimes when they receive something. They're like, I matter to you, right? They're, and it's so cool. And it, it, it puts a burden on your heart for that person. It's so cool. When we're going around on the streets and handing these things out, it's so neat that um, uh, oh boy, uh, uh, Psalms chapter 34, verse 8, says it like this. Taste and see that the Lord is good. How cool is that? You're literally giving people honey to taste and a DVD to see. So they can taste and see that the Lord is good. That's so cool. If you give somebody honey, what do they have? Honey. That's <laughs> not a trick question, right? Find a penny, pick it up all day long, you'll have yeah, a penny. <laughs> yeah. Some people would say, good luck. Um, you'll have a penny. That's the thing. If you give people honey, guess what they have? Honey. Bravo. You've given them honey. That's great. Jesus says, give people a cup of cold water in my name. It's fantastic. But honey doesn't save them. Hey, Hannah says it like this. He says, a bowl of rice is no substitute for the word of God. All right? Now, there's a follow-up to that. So praise the Lord that we're doing that. That's an awesome thing we're doing, and it really opens up the door. Um, but Jesus, he has more specific instructions than that in the word of God. Right? Some people will talk about like evangelism explosion, where you learn all the things you're supposed to say to somebody on the street, go get them. Right? It's like um, Kirk Cameron. He does that thing where he's like, let me convince you that you are a sinner in need of a savior. And he'll be like, have you ever lied? Have you ever stolen? Have you ever this? Okay, you've done three of the commandments. You're a bad person and you need Jesus. Right? That's not in the Bible. It's not bad. I'm not saying these things are bad. But there's a more specific route that Jesus says to do in the Bible. And that is this. Matthew chapter 5, he says, let your light so shine before men that they will see your good work and glorify your Father in heaven. That is the main point of tonight. I want you to take that away from here. That we are instructed to go, and the way he tells us to do it is to let our light so shine before men. As you rewind a little bit, in Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 and on, he'll say it like this. You're the salt of the world, and the salt loses its saltiness. It's not good for anything. It's thrown down and trampled under feet. Um, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden, nor does anyone put a lamp on, a, uh, on a, a pole and cover it with a bowl. Uh, sorry, now does anyone light a lamp and cover it, but they put it on its lamp stem so that it gets light in the entire house in your same, the same way, so let your light so shine before men will see your good works to glorify your Father in heaven. All right, so what he's saying here is you are meant to be a light. Let me illustrate this a little bit for you. Let's say that you are driving to Vegas. Has anybody driven to Vegas before? Okay, we have a lot of people that have driven to Vegas. As you're driving to Vegas, there's nothing. Like, it's like hours of nothing. Like, just nothing. You're in the middle of the desert, and all of a sudden, this light starts to, like, come up over the horizon. And it's the middle of the night. And as you get closer, that light is brighter and brighter, lighting up the sky. And then you peek the hill, and in the middle of nothing, for hours, all of a sudden, there is a city 
that is lit up at night especially. If you are in the desert and you're dying of thirst and you look over here and there's nothing in pitch black, there, nothing pitch black, there, nothing pitch black, but right there is a city shining, you are going to go to the city. Nobody would not do that. If you're looking for anything, you're going to go where it's at, right? Jesus says like this, that you are supposed to be like that city on a hill, right? You're supposed to be a light on a lampstand, and that gives light to the house. That's what he says. So if anybody's looking for family members, I want you to understand that's how you give light to the house. That is your instruction to go out and reach the world. Uh, let me illustrate these in a, in a different way. Um, as a youth group, generally you remember stories better than verses. So let me give you some stories. Has anybody ever seen The Curse of Oak Island? Nobody knows? Oh, great. Okay, I'm going to tell you all about it. Um, does anybody here have like a TV show that they love that's maybe like a, uh, like a reality TV show or a, um, like a true story TV show? Anybody? Which one? Curse of Oak Island. Oh, somebody does love that. Okay, great. Um, so I love the Curse of Oak Island. This is a true story. I'm just letting you know. Um, in the Curse of Oak Island, here's what happened. In 1750, uh, there's these three kids, and they look over and they see a light on an island. And they go, oh, and they go, let's go check it out. So they get in the boat and they row over to this island, right? This is in Nova Scotia, which is basically far off to the east of Canada, uh, New Scotland, Nova Scotia. So they're rowing out here. And the reason is because they think that pirates are hiding their treasure on the island. Because uh, Captain Kidd and other pirates had, like, frequented that area. So they row over. By the time they get to the island, the lights have gone away. But they start to search around. And they find a kind of, like, place, like a 13 by 13 foot area where the ground has been dug up. So they go, this is something. And then they look up and they see, a, a, like, a, a bait and tackle system. Like, they see, basically, the um, pulley system that you would use if you were digging and you were trying to get the dirt out, right? So they go, got pressure here. Let's get it. So they start to dig it, right? They get about 10 feet down. That's a massive dig for three kids. And they find a row of planks. Like, imagine, like, a raft laid out in the ground. So like, this is it. We've got to break through these treasures underneath. We break through, and it's more dirt. They go as far as they can, and they kind of give up for a while. And then they come back, but they never get out of their mind. In fact, two of them, I believe, moved to the island and never left. They, they, uh, they searched the, the treasure the rest of their lives. So they bring what's called, I believe, the Onslow Company to help them out. And they start digging. They go down another 10 feet, another row of planks. They break through that. They go down another 10 feet, another row of planks. We're 30 feet down. That's, that's you know, bigger than this room, right? They keep going. They do every 10 feet down, 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 more planks. Who could have done this? Incredible feet. 90 feet down, they find a stone with a code written down in it. Later on, it was cracked to read, 40 feet below, 2 million pounds are buried. I don't know why English money is so heavy. Our, none of our dollar bills weigh as much as the pound. But theirs do. And so below them, 2 million pounds are buried. Some of you are like, oh, that was a horrible joke. <laughs> um, uh, 90 feet down, they find that. Then they break through the next layer because there are 40 feet more to go. This is the company doing this. They're going down. They hit booby traps. Somebody had dug a tunnel to the ocean, 
So if anybody had gotten this far down in the pit, it would flood the pit. Ever since then, for the last couple hundred years, people have been trying to find that treasure. Um, presidents have gone and tried to find it. Uh, you know, wealthy millionaires, um, you know, the, the, the guild, uh, the stonemason guild. So many people have tried to find this treasure. So then, about seven years ago, uh, these two brothers, they bought the island, and they've been uh, documenting it. They find cool stuff. So many weird things. They, 300 feet below the surface, they find human bones. How do human bones get 300 feet down? They haven't tested. It's crazy. When I watch that show, I'm like, that's it. I no longer make movies. I'm not a youth pastor. I quit everything I do, and I am now going to go dig on Oak Island. I got that. I give up on everything else because this is awesome. It does not look like an easy job. They spend their days dirty and digging, and it's awesome, and I want to go there. But then I put on Rocky. And I'm like watching Rocky, and, he's like, and I'm like, oh man, Rocky's working out, he's like lifting rocks and stuff like that, and I'm like, whatever, Oak Island, I'm going to go be a boxer, and I go to the gym, and I'm like, working out, I'm like, this is great, right? I love Rocky, until I watch Josh Gates. Oh, Josh Gates is awesome, he has Expedition, um, Expedition Unknown in his show, he has some other shows. When I watch that, I'm like, now I'm going to be a worldwide explorer because he goes all over the world and we have literally sat down and watched this with people and we'll look, turn and we'll look at each other and be like, we're going there. Like, this is on our to-do list now. You know why we do that? Because they make it look so attractive. Not because of what it is. They're not sitting in a hot tub. It's because they make it look attractive. I want to be the guy digging in the dirt because the guy digging in the dirt is so excited to be digging in the dirt that I wish I could be that excited. Even though Rocky leaves all bloody and stuff like that, his determination makes me want to go be determined. They let their light shine in that way. And that makes me want to follow hard after what they do. Right? So hopefully you guys can understand this. Um, Here's a great illustration. I had a, 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 a loved one come over from Pennsylvania. Um, doesn't go to church, right? Hasn't for decades. Um, and I said, you know what? You should come with me on Sunday night to Tom and Linda's Bible study. So um, she said, yeah, this is great. So she goes to Tom and Linda's Bible study, and it was great. Spoiler alert, all of Tom and Linda's Bible studies are great. <laughs> and I, I hate to say that because I don't want everybody to, like, all of a sudden crowd their Bible study, and I have to, like, buy tickets to get in or something. Um, it's a great Bible study. It's really, really enjoyable, like an enjoyable time. Um, after she left, she goes, that was great. I want that. We sat in a circle reading the Bible. That's what we did. We sat in a circle reading the Bible. And she goes, I want that. You know why? Because they let their light so shine before men that people saw their good works and want to glorify their father. You know what she did? She went back to the East Coast and she started taking people to church. The next week, she was sending me pictures of her taking the people to church. She hasn't been in church in how many years? Decades. The people that she brought haven't been in church in decades. Today, right as I was about to preach, she sent me a text message. She goes, I just got back from church, and I love eating after church. And I said, I'm going to brag about you today. Because it's a perfect thing. You should clap. Thank you. That's an amazing thing. And I would say that goes out to, to these guys over here, Tom and Linda. Because... They do a great job letting their light shine, and it spreads. It's so easy to do that. So 
Here's what is not our instructions. Our instructions are not to debate people. Now, that might not sit well with some people, but I'm going to give you tons of verses to back it up. Because um, here's the thing. Uh, Pastor Brian does say this. Maybe you didn't say the dog story, but you do say this one. is that you're never going to win an enemy to Christ. You're only going to win a friend. Right? You say that one. Okay, good. Um, <laughs> um, you're only going to win a friend. Here's the thing. Um, has anybody ever heard of the, the revival in Harlem? Some of you are already ahead of me. Um, so there was a revival in Harlem, and, um, and it went like this. This is a true story that I just made up. Um, and it goes like this, is that a preacher went to Harlem, and he started preaching on the street, um, you know, basically repent and be baptized, Acts 2.38. Acts 2.38, yeah. So he's like, Acts 2.38, you need to repent and be baptized, right? And so all these people started repenting and getting baptized. And so the news stations came out, and they started interviewing the people that had been saved, and they said... Tell me what happened. They said, well, the guy said he had an act in 238. We did anything he said. That's the thing. If that was a real story, when they went home, guess what? They wouldn't be a Christian. They'll do anything you said if you're putting an act of 238 in their face. They'll do anything you said. Right? But you're not winning that person over to Christ. Um, And you're not going to win people over to Christ by finding them in an alley and saying, Hey, you! you know Jesus? And they're like, I don't want that Jesus. And you're like, come here. And they're like, you know, blah, I can do everything. And not, like, and you're just trying to like pound them with the Bible. They're going to be like, I got to get away from this. And they're crazy. Right? And any of you would do the same. Okay? That's not how you win somebody to Christ. Right? In fact, I tried this before I understood this concept. I was like, I have to know all apologetics. I've preached on apologetics here. Apologetics are awesome for answering questions. They're not so you can attack people, right? Um, and I would go out, and I remember talking to a friend who wasn't saved. And I was like, you know what? Ask me anything. So I was like, I don't like the fact that you don't know this stuff, and you think that what you like learned in high school is even like, remotely accurate. And I was like, look, the Bible, I mean, it, it, it's so true. Ask me, literally, ask me anything. Nothing's off the table. Ask me anything. And he did. And for like two hours, I answered every one of his questions. I won that argument hands down. I had to teach him science in order to break down the science to show him that the science that he thought was science is not science. I was like so infinitely beyond him in knowledge. He did not change one bit. Anything I told him, he would go, yeah, well, but what about this? And I go, okay, I explain that. And he go, what about this? And then I got home and I'm like, that didn't go well at all. Oh wait, Jesus told us not to do that. Matthew chapter 7 verse 9, he says it like this. Do not throw before the dogs what is sacred. Do not throw pearls before swine. They will trample them under feet and then they'll turn them past you. He says it like this in Proverbs chapter 23 verse 9. He says it like this. Um, he says, um, do not speak in the hearing of a fool, for they will despise the good sense of your work. They'll despise the good sense of your words. If you have good sense, they hate it. And it's really interesting. I'm like, Lord, but I thought we we're supposed to go out there and like beat people over the head with the Bible. Like tell them that, you know, no matter what, you think God is real. That is not it at all. Right? The Bible says in, in Romans chapter 14, verse 1, it says, except the one whose faith is weak without arguing over disputable matters. If you go to 2 Timothy chapter 2, um, it, all throughout, starting in 14 specifically, is that he'll say, um, do not um, argue over words. 
for it's of no value and only ruins those who listen. Right? All throughout the Bible, Jesus and Paul and the Old Testament are all telling us, you're not supposed to go out there and find these people and argue with them. That's not how this works at all. Right? Um, there's a guy that I, I love because he's a great apologist. But I'll tell you what he's not very good at is that concept. He has a YouTube channel. And I love this guy. I really do. I hate the way he presents the Bible. He has a YouTube channel, and he has a segment that he puts on all the time called Whackin' Atheist. His concept, what did you say? Oh, here you go, you know. So, um, Whackin' Atheist. He's literally like, bring, in fact, he used to have a, a thing where he would say, if you can beat me in a debate, I'll give you a quarter million dollars. If you can beat me in a debate. He loves to debate people. Nobody walks away from those conversations closer to Jesus. They just want to be farther from Ken. And it's really rough. In fact, he'll argue with other Christians, and it's hard to watch. He'll, like, he'll talk to Hugh Ross. Hugh Ross, even though I don't totally agree with everything he says, Hugh Ross is such a wonderful guy. I want to believe it because of his gentleness and his kindness. Right? When you are out there Here's how you're supposed to win people to Christ. You're supposed to be a light. You're supposed to be everything they want to be. Can I tell you what they want to be? It's very simple. Anybody who's out there working their um, tails off for money, do they want money so they can roll around in paper? No. They, uh, in fact, I will sell them paper for lots of money um, because that's not what you want money for. Why do you want money? Uh, I guess security. Okay, great. You want security. Like, why do you want security? What does that do? Go move to an island in the, in the middle of the Atlantic. You'll have security there. I don't want, that's not what I want. What do you want? I guess what I want is peace. Oh, you want peace? Gotcha. Okay, perfect. Let me introduce you to Jesus. In Amos 2.9, it says like this. Um, God says, I just, uh, defeated the Amorites, both their roots beneath and their fruits above. Your fruit comes from your roots. You know, we're supposed to attach ourselves to the vine which is Jesus, and if we're attached to the Spirit, because they're all one, that's the Trinity, if we're attached to the root of the Spirit, guess what we're going to have? The fruit of the Spirit. Right? And you see that in people that are close to Jesus. The fruits of the Spirit, according to Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Somebody sees your peace. And they're like, I've been trying to buy that. Well, let me introduce you to Jesus. Right? Somebody's on their app, and they're swiping left, swiping left, so, oh, I want that person right. Why are they even on this app? Because they're looking for love, right? Well, let me introduce you to Jesus. Right? Um, somebody's out there like, I'm going to be crazy, I'm going to jump out of an airplane. Why? Because I want to be like joy. Well, you can jump out of an airplane, but let me also introduce you to Jesus who will give you joy beyond measure forever without you having to jump out of an airplane and live that for about 30 seconds, right? Everything the world wants is found in Jesus. When you attach to Jesus, then you have the fruit. And they go, I want that. What is it about you? You know, I'm in traffic right now, and I am flipping out. And you're sitting there, and you just don't, like, you're not. What is that? Why do you have so much self-control? Well, self-control is the fruit of the Spirit. Would you like me to introduce you to the root of the Spirit? 
That's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to let your light so shine before man that it will see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Titus 2.10 says it like this. In every way, they make the teaching about our Lord Jesus Christ attractive. Do you know Jesus was a happy guy? In Hebrews 1.9, echoed from uh, Psalms 45, verse 7, it says this. The Lord poured out the oil of joy on Jesus more than all of his companions because he loved righteousness and he hated wickedness. He was the most joyful of everybody. And you can see it in the reading, right? You can see it when um, he gets introduced to Philip, right? We were reading this the other day at the Bible study. And he's like, you saw me under a tree. You must be the Savior. And you can just see Jesus like, you think, you think that because I saw you under a tree? Oh, my, dude, you're going to see such bigger things than this, right? You can see when he talks to Nicodemus in John chapter 3, right? He's like, um, you need to be born again. Well, um, how can I be born again? Do I have to go back into my mother's womb? <laughs> no, no, no. That's, that's great. You can't, no, 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 no. Okay, here's what you have to You can see it if you know that about Jesus. He is the most joyful, right? Psalms chapter 2. He sits on the throne. Anybody? Laughing. Good job, whoever yelled it out. Um, he sits on the throne laughing. He is a happy God. He's the most happy. He's the most joyful. You better believe he's got the fruit of the Spirit. He is the Spirit. And you can start to see this in people following him. You know how he, why he um, you know, fed the 5,000? Because they were following him around. And he couldn't get, like, get rid of them. And his disciples are like, you've got to get rid of these people. They're going to like, go hungry. And he's like, okay, well, you feed them. And so then he does the miracles and he feeds them, right? But then they keep following him around again. And the next time, I think it's the 2,000 that time. Um, I think it's 2,000. Um, they come up to him, and he's like, and this is John chapter 6, uh, 6, verse 26. He says it like this. He goes, you're here because I fed you. Nonetheless, here's the word of God. People followed him around because he shone the light, obviously, of God. He was God. People wanted to be around him. Um, if you ever um, work with a celebrity, you'll see this a lot. People will just hover. Right? I worked with Will Smith in New York. People lined up for block just to see Will Smith, right? Now, his light was more of like he's, you know, famous and they just want to see his face. But they came to that. You are supposed to be the light of the world. How do you do that? You tap into the root of God. You'll have the fruit of the Spirit. You are not meant to find people and beat them over the head with the Bible. You're supposed to let your light shine before men that they will do good work, glorify your Father in heaven. And then... When they come to you, that's when you really give them 1 Peter 3.15. Because they're going to ask you, why? Why, 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 why? And your answer is, in 1 Peter 3.15, always be ready to give an account for your hope. Right? Do this with gentleness and respect. Your hope. Do this with gentleness and respect. Always be prepared to give an account of your hope. The reason that you shine. Do this with gentleness and respect. If you walk over with any of the two verses, shine your light and be ready to give an account for that light with gentleness and respect. That's how you win people to Christ. That's how this works. That's what Jesus said. Now, do you also win people to Christ by handing out honey? Absolutely. Why? Because you're shining your light. What we'll always say is, hey, our church said, bless people that you love. We want you to be blessed. That's shining your light. They go, wow, that's great. And they want to talk and hang out and like be friends, right? They saw our light and they want to know more about it. 
Right? This is how this works. This is how Jesus says to do it. The other things are great. They are great. Sometimes people don't think that there's any reason they need a Savior. That's great. Kirk Cameron's method is awesome for that. Let me walk you through why you do need a Savior. Right? Evangelism explosion is a whole like way of like telling people the gospel. Awesome. I love apologetics. I think they're so cool. Sometimes we'll go to like the conferences, like the AMP conferences. We'll talk apologetics. You know what? People come up and they ask me. They'll go, hey, um, what do you think about this? And they listen to my answer. You know who doesn't listen to the answer? Is the person that you walk up and you're like, did you know God created the world? And you're, they're like, yeah, right, whatever. Okay, tell me about kangaroos. And then it's a, a debate. And no matter what you say, right, there's a saying that says, a heart convinced against its will is of the same opinion still. You're never going to break through with a hatchet. But you'll get them to open the door uh, with a jar of honey, right? It's easier to catch flies with honey than vinegar. That's an old thing, all right? So these things are great. And you need to have these things within you. Um, and the, the number one, um, uh, I guess I'll say it like this. People always want revival, right? Churches always want revival. The churches need to revive. That's how that works. People want other people to come into the building so we can have a really big like crew. But we don't want to revive. We're like, I don't want you to be on the front. Right? Like, I don't want your authority to be my authority. But I want other people to come in and I want to be their authority. I, that's not how that works. Right? Um, Jake, uh, uh, Isaac is always talking to him. He's like, listen, I'm going to introduce you guys to like a song. And it's going to be awesome. I hate to break it, but you never introduce us to the song because we worship all week long, right? That's what we're supposed to do. Yeah? We need to revive. There's no reason people should ever have to tell us again to like that tithing is an instruction from God. Jesus says to do it, right? He's talking to the Pharisees. He says, you're supposed to tithe, and you also are supposed to do these other things, right? It says it in the Old Testament. It says it all throughout. And God even says, you're robbing me. We shouldn't have to have these tithing testimonies anymore. God should be your authority. Until we revive, there's no reason to expect other people to come in. Because until we're shining, until we're shining our light, they're not going to see our good light. And they're not going to want to glorify a Father in heaven. So here's what you do. You tap into the Spirit. You do it in all the ways that we talked about in the first, you know, one, two, three, four, five ways with the kids. You spend your time with good people. You draw near to God. You make Him your authority. You cut off the garbage going in, right? You do that, and you're going to light up. The more time you spend with Jesus, the more time you light up. It, show me your friends, I'll show you your future. It's how it works. When Moses came down from the mountain, he was glowing because he spent time with Jesus. You might not glow physically, but what you do is going to make people go, I wish I had that. If I walk into a gym, I remember I talking to a trainer. Um, I was like, I never want a trainer who's smaller than me. Because it makes no sense. Like, unless I'm asking him to like, help me like, cut calories or whatever. Because I'm like, why would I want somebody else who's not as far as me to teach me how to get... It doesn't make any sense. Otherwise, you'd be farther. Right? It's the people that look the most jacked. I'm like, oh, I want to be like that guy. Yeah? And I will say that. They're generally the people like, I hang out with at the gym. So I'm like, hey, how'd you get that? Right? Because their lifestyle shows in their biceps. Your lifestyle should show 
in all of you. And your, if your lifestyle is the root of the Spirit, and you have the fruit of the Spirit, you're going to shine. And when you shine, you're going to be different. And people are going to come, and they're going to want to be near you, and you can then give them an account of your hope with gentleness and respect. Worship team, you can come on up. And um, I want to say that there's a way that we end off every youth group, and that is with an extra little point. Okay, so there are uh, 12 points, and there's one that we go over every single week. All right, and that last point is that um, everything we talk about is to the children of God. There is a difference between the children of God and not the children of God. It's very simple to become the children of God, right? Um, Romans 10, 9 says it like this. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is the Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you will be saved. You're not a child of God. Uh, uh, John chapter 3, verse 16, you all know this one. Believe, and you're a child of God. Right? It's not hard to become a believer. Uh, John uh, chapter 1, verse 12 says like this. To as many as receive him, to as many as... Um, uh, to as many as receive him, to as many as... I want to say call in his name to them, he gives the right to become the children of God. Right? It's very simple to become the child of God. But until you're the child of God, you're not the child of God. And so that is our, number, our, our, our next point that I'm adding on to the end of this. And if you're not a child of God this morning, then I want to pray with you right now. So go ahead and um, bow your head. Jesus, we thank you. We thank you that you are the greatest to follow. God, we're not following after Thanos, um, you know, who's like got some cool methodology and stuff like that, but he's not really the nicest guy. We're not following after somebody who tells us to, you know, kill our neighbors if they're the infidels. We're not following after a bad God. Um, Ronald Reagan says it like this, you are wise and you are kind. So thank you for who you are, Jesus. Thank you that when we follow hard after you, Lord God, you are the most joyful. You're the most happy. You're the kindest. You're the best. And all of your traits, Jesus, are all the traits that all of us want. We want love and joy and peace and patience and kindness. And goodness. We want those things, Lord God, because that's who you are and you are amazing. Lord God, help us to put aside the rest, and chase after the best. Lord God, there is none like you. I thank you. Light us up, beloved. Light us on fire, right? Light us on fire, and may the world gather to watch us burn. God, light us on fire. May we be a light that shines so that people will see our good work, and they will glorify our Father in heaven. And when we have to tell them the reason for our hope, my God, May we know the reason for our hope. May we be ready to give an account for that, Lord God. May we do it with gentleness and respect. And if anybody in here right now is not a child of God, uh, I'm not, you don't have to do anything crazy because this is a hard decision. It's going to be a hard decision tomorrow when you continue to be a child of God or not and next week and 10 years from now. But if you're not a child of God this morning, right now I want to give you that opportunity. Um, I'm not, you don't have to raise your hand. And you don't have to uh, come up here and do anything crazy. The Bible says if you accept him, then you're his. It's so simple. So right now in this place, if you don't have him, uh, you know, to yourself be true. (laughs) Nobody's watching. Nobody knows what you're thinking. Decide, do you want him? Do you want that root 
that produces those fruit. If you want Him, He's there for you. And I want you to take this moment right now, if you want Him, to ask Him, come, be in my heart. I'm just going to let you uh, pray yourself for just a moment. Say what you want to say to God. It says in Revelation uh, 3.20, that behold, I stand at the door and knock. And if any man hears my voice and opens the door, then I will enter into him and sup with him and he with me. Just opening the door is all you need. This has been a presentation of Valley Metro Church. To hear more messages or to support future podcasts, please visit us at valleymetrochurch.com.